0: Oh yes, the appreciator is here, and yeah, uh, that to, to keep everything the way I want it. This is going to be a longer than uh, regular show, and uh, i I I'm going to fix this somehow in the future. But uh, yes, we've been trying to keep the shows at around a half an hour, but this is a bigger appreciation this time around because I promised you guys some Jimbo, and uh, there are no more shorter episodes that, uh, are in the early days of Jimbo, which is what I'm focusing on now is, is the golden age. Well, it's all a golden age, but I want to bring you the, the, just pay the proper tribute to Jimbo. And, uh, by, uh, doing this, it, it makes me feel good. So what we've got is a classic 2015 earlier episode of Jimbo talking at you and and being an appreciator in his own right He's he's part of the prototype i really always enjoyed the way Jimbo could look at life laugh and uh, laugh at himself which is something i'm still learning and and there's nothing wrong with that uh that we all need to learn to loosen up just a little bit and laugh at ourselves and it makes everything so much better. But for now, where we are going with this is direct to the past. And uh, a classic episode of Jimbo. And I will be back with more uh, drivel and stuff and appreciation. But uh, after this...
1: Well, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody, it's Jimbo. It's Jimbo. Jimbo. How are you? I had uh, been on kind of a hiatus, you know. I You probably don't think it's a hiatus, but it's a hiatus. Because I was in a, a groove, and then all of a sudden the groove quit. And uh, all the things that were good all went bad, all went sour. <laughs> it just went sour, went bad on me. I don't know. It just happens sometimes. You you want to be entertaining. You want to be funny. And then you spit it out. And it's neither. It's just somebody talking. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to be funny and entertaining. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be burned out. I wasn't burned out, but... Sometimes you just, they're not funny, and you need a break. You deserve a break today, at McDonald's. We do it all for you. Well, who remembers that? Nobody. Uh, I was going back today and looking through Frank Edward Norris' old show notes. Sometimes I do that and I get inspired. But I was noticing all the references in there to Match Game and Charles Nelson Raleigh. He likes Charles Nelson Raleigh. And, of course, he does that laugh. That (laughs) wonderful laugh he does. He should do it more often, Frank, if you're listening. Which, you're probably not. But uh, if you are listening, please do the Charles Nelson Raleigh laugh more often. Every show, maybe. I wish I could do it. If I could do it, I'd be king of the world. King of the world. Charles knows I'm laugh. But only Frank has that laugh, so. I was talking to uh, my friend P.Q. the River. P.Q. River. And uh, was he was telling me that he used to uh, work at a, a place where he was in charge of the skee-ball. Uh, machine, whatever. I remember going to some place when I was a kid and just having the ski balls, and I would go and just nobody would be around. And I'd go and put them in the 500 slot, just walk up to it and put it in there. And I got all these tickets and got toys and stuff, and they were crummy toys, but it was fun. I cheated. I cheated, I cheated, at skee ball <laughs> and no one could stop me. <laughs> I had all these tickets and uh I don't remember what kind of prizes I won but uh they weren't very good ones. They were crummy. Crummy prizes crummy, crummy. Uh Speaking of uh, PQ River, he did his uh, overnight show, uh, whatever it's called, uh, the Quake Reversal Satellite, uh, Overnight, uh, the uh, Overnight Underground, or whatever it's called, uh, stupid, I, I can't remember the name of it, it's the PQ River, Quake Reversal Satellite, new show, nighttime thing. Yeah. Anyway, He was talking a lot about me in the last show that I heard, and I was like, uh, "PQ, don't you making me feel bad and stuff? So you making me feel uh, like uh, I don't know. I I was kind of, I was kind of uncomfortable him talking so much about me on there. So uh, (laughs) I don't know exactly." I don't know why exactly. I mean, he, apparently I influenced him. He influences me. So, you know, it's... it's. I feel fortunate when I influence him. But, you know, I think that happened. Uh, we influence each other a lot. So, uh, you know, I was thinking... I saw the other day... Uh, all these things you could do with a pressure, pressure washer. And uh, my sister her husband died about uh boy i don't know how long ago 6 years ago maybe anyways she uh he had everything uh, her husband he had all kinds of tools and he's one of these guys you know he could do anything he was real talented and he had all kinds of tools and knew how to use them and... so anyway uh, along the line here after her husband died she got his boyfriend and uh he stole all kind of junk from her and him and uh stole her pressure washer. I was gonna use it the other day and, and no, it's gone. It's gone. No pressure washer. Like, what kind of boyfriend are you getting uh, mixed up with here, uh what are you doing there? Why you have a boyfriend like that? Eh, you, you ever notice uh how uh weird geniuses are? If if you know somebody that's a genius, or you think of a genius in history, and you know their background, you're like, ah, all these geniuses are weird. Like, uh, you know, I wrote down a few of them. Uh, Michael Jackson, for example, he was weird. I don't know if he was a child molester or not. I mean, I don't know. I mean, who knows, right? We weren't there but he was weird we know that he was weird a whole mask and the glove and the wearing the stupid uh clothes he wore and uh his marriages and all that stuff and the whole thing where he said out loud i like sleeping with kids and you know, he was weird. I he, All geniuses are weird. Though. Like Walt Disney, he was weird, dude. Um, uh, Howard Hughes, you know, that was a genius. He was a genius as far as aeronautics goes. And uh, he was weird. and Just all these people. I mean, think of people, you know, I bet you could think of people on, on SUG that you would consider geniuses that are strange people. I know I do. I know there are several people on Unsug that, I mean, you get to know them after a while, and there are several of you folks on here that I would consider geniuses. And you're all weird. You're all weird. You're weird. I'm glad I'm not weird. I'm glad I'm not a genius. I'm not a genius, so I'm not weird. So, ha, <laughs> ha. Uh, I'm just a big goober. I'm a goober. One time I got food poisoning. I got food poisoning. You ever got food poisoning? I got food poisoning. No, it was just we had this ritual when I was married. I was married from the age of uh, 22 to the age of 29. I was married seven years. My wife was killed. Anyway, uh, but we had this thing where we went to Red Lobster. On our anniversary. Red Lobster. I don't even really like Red Lobster. But I guess she did. So We went to Red Lobster. And you know. I, I did like lobster. I did like shrimp. I still do. But I have not had lobster. Since this last time I went to Red Lobster. When I got the food poisoning. And I got the food poisoning there. She got the food poisoning. <coughs> we were not feeling good. When we were there at the restaurant. So. We took our food home, and we gave it to the cats, and the cats got sick, and uh, they died, and had to bury them. No, they didn't die, but they got sick too, and we got real sick, and had to miss work, and got food poisoning. It's the only time I ever got food poisoning in my entire life, and that's my food poisoning story. That's it. Food poisoning story is over. No, but the cats got sick, too. Ugh. They got real sick. They got, like, doo-doo sick. Not, like, throwing up sick, but... Uh... Doo-doo sick. I don't like doo-doo sick at all. Especially with a cat. Cat doo-doo sick is... Yeah. Now, the other day I mentioned, and P.Q. mentioned this, too, because he, he thought it was a cool story. I'm going to tell you this whole story... About the time I found the $100 bill under the watermelon. Okay. This is a tr- absolutely true story. It doesn't sound like a true story, but it's a true story. Just, just you you got to believe me. And it's a really weird story. The whole story's weird, so I'm going to tell you the whole story. All right. I remember it was a summer day, and I lived in Amarillo, and my mother lived right next to Skaggs Alpha Beta. I did not live near Skaggs Alpha Beta. I lived about a mile away from her. Anyway, so I went over to her house as I I did all the time. I, I'd go over to see my mom, you know. I love my mom. I love you, Mama. I love you, Mama. Mama, 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 Mama. No, my mom was good to me, you know, I mean, Mama. Mama. I love you, Jimbo. I love you, Jimbo. Mm, Jimbo. You little, little, fat, chick Jimbo. No, she loved me, you know. And one day, I went over there in the summertime. And she said, ah, I'd like to have a watermelon. I said, well, yeah, I was 20 years old or what? 19 years old, whatever. A Big, strong boy. Hey, Mom, I'll go over and get a watermelon uh, for us at the Skaggs Alpha Beta. So, she gave me—I don't know—five dollars. I don't know, and uh, <laughs> I walked over to the. Was going to walk over to Skaggs, and she lived right by Skaggs. I mean, like you could throw a rock, literally, and hit Skaggs. It was right behind her apartments. And so I went out there, and the first thing I encountered was a police officer, and this woman, uh, out there and the police officer shined his light on me, because it was kind of getting dark, and, uh, I was like, uh, you know, I didn't know what was going on, he said, uh, have you seen, did you steal a wallet? And I was like, nah, man, I just come from my mom's house, I'm gonna go to Skaggs Alpha Beta, and, uh, gonna buy a watermelon. (laughs) And he was like, okay. And so the lady, there's a lady there, she's all looking at me, like, uh, I don't know, and she actually had the wallet in her hand, so I don't know what was going on. But she was looking at me, and she said something, and I was just—I just kept walking because I didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. So I went into Skags, and uh before I went to go look for a watermelon, I thought I'd go look at the magazines. They had a big stack of magazines there, and I—I I love magazines. So I went to the magazine section and I was looking at the magazines and all of a sudden this lady came up to me. She was a little bit older than me, maybe 10 years older. And she came up, she said, oh, it's so good to see you. And I was like looking at her like, I don't even know who this lady is, right? And I'm trying to figure out who she is. And she's like, I haven't seen you in a while. And she gave me a big old hug. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And she says, uh, and she went on and on about, uh, somebody. And I was like, ah, he, I didn't really say anything. I didn't say, uh, you know, you got the wrong person or anything. I was just like, uh, huh uh-huh. And she was like, uh, you need to come over and see so-and-so. And I was like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. So anyway, she finally left. And I was like, well, what was that all about, you know? So, uh. And so I went to go look at the watermelons. Now, I don't know nothing about watermelons or how to pick them out. My mother tells me, but it doesn't do any good because I'm probably not listening or <laughs> just whatever. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to listen to my mom about watermelons. No, I probably she probably told me, but you know, I was like, probably wasn't listening. Probably just being out in the, you know, sometimes I just don't listen. I just my mind somewhere else all the time, so I went over there and I asked this dude. He was, I said, you know anything about watermelons? He was the dude that worked there, and he was like, yeah, I know what, I know something about watermelons. And he and I said, well, what should I look for? And he told me, and I don't really remember what he said, but at the time I was listening. So he he left. He said, I gotta go do something, whatever. So I was like looking at the watermelons and the. The first watermelon was a small watermelon that I rolled over because I was going to look at the bottom of it. That was a hundred... Well, I thought it was a $10 bill. And I I looked around to see if anybody was looking, you know? I mean, was this a candid camera or something? I didn't know. And so I took the $10 bill, what I thought was a $10 bill. I did not get a watermelon. I promptly left the... Uh, Skaggs beta and I went home exactly the way I came. There was no cop out there this time. There was no lady, and I went into the house and where my mom lived. And I said, uh, "She's like, where's the watermelon?" I was like, "Well, I didn't get a watermelon because I kind of got distracted." I said, "I found a ten-dollar bill," and she said, like, "You found a ten-dollar bill?" I said, "Yeah, it was a ten-dollar bill underneath the watermelon, so I pulled it out, and it wasn't a ten-dollar bill. It was a hundred-dollar bill." And I was like, "Hey, it's a hundred dollar bill." And she was like, "Ah, where did you get this hundred dollar bill?" I was like, "I got it underneath the watermelon over there." I was, I was looking for the watermelons, and there was a hundred dollar bill under there. I didn't know, and she's like, "Ah, oh, come on, where did you get this money?" I was like, "I got the money from the. I found the underneath." She's like, "Why did you get that? Did you steal this from the, from the store? Did you?" I was like, "No, I went over there to the store and the." There was a hundred dollar bill underneath the watermelon. I pulled the watermelon over and there it was a hundred dollar bill. I was like, Come on. She's like, Ah, come on, yourself where you get that and she didn't believe me. She just wouldn't believe me. I said, Look, I'm telling you, it's I found a hundred dollar bill under a watermelon. Finally I guess she believed me, but I don't know. She always had trouble believing me about money. I remember another time when I lived in Dallas, and I came went up there to Amarillo to visit her when I was about oh, 15 or 16. She had moved up there. And uh, she gave me like $20 to go get some hamburgers at the hamburger place, which was, I don't know, about a mile from where she lived. I it was a real windy day, and I went and walked to go get the hamburgers, and when I got up there to where the hamburger place was. I found I didn't have any $20. And I didn't have any do- any money in my wallet so or not enough. And so I had to make the trek all the way back. And I told my mother I lost the $20. She's like, yeah, I lost the $20. What do you mean you lost the $20? And I said, I lost the $20. I, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't do it on purpose or anything. I just lost the $20. She's like, what do you mean you lost the $20? Ah. And, you know, $20 was probably a lot of money to her back then, and I'm sorry, but uh, somehow I lost it. I went and looked all over the place for the $20 for my walk back, and, you know, I was looking for it. and couldn't find it anywhere because it was gone. I don't know what happened to it. It must have blown away or something, you know, the wind blowed it, and it went... It went into the... the the
2: the
1: That's where it went. It's just gone. I got some notes here. I wrote wrote some notes down. I don't really know why, because I don't really need them, but I had written some stuff down. Uh, uh, One time uh, I worked... uh, I think I mentioned this before. I worked, uh, right before I got married, I got a job at this, uh, a big old gigantic apartment complex, which, and it was a really big complex. It had to go on longer. It was at least a mile long. It was a great big, gigantic, rich apartment complex. I mean, celebrities lived there, like. Local celebrities, uh, people who worked for the news, people who worked for radio stations. I'd see them all the time. I, the sports guys, I'd talk to them. I got to know them. Uh, I was right across the street from a big, gigantic golf course. It was in Los Colinas, which is uh, like the rich part of Irving. And anyway, I worked there, and uh, I got a really good salary working there. And That was the place where I blew up on my manager and eventually quit, but... She made me mad, I'm telling you. But anyway, I, that place was a really cool place. On Christmas, or uh, for Christmas, they bought me this uh, radio, this this uh, portable radio that I could carry along with me. This had to have been like in 1986 or so. And, uh, you know, it was real nice of them to do this. Or, and uh, whatever. And I was quite quite proud of... The fact that they thought of me and did this for me, and uh, I'd go out there and listen to the radio. I love listening to the radio, and uh, would l- just listen to the talk radio and the news. There was an all news station. I'd listen to the news, and anyway, I remember being out there listening when the space shuttle—I guess it was a Challenger—that blew up in eighty-six, eighty-seven, whenever it was. And uh, I just remember it blowing up and uh, hearing it live as it happened, you know. And I came back and told the people at work that uh, the space shuttle blowed up. (laughs) I say blowed up. I'm trying to talk like Peaky River. That's the way he'd say it. The the space station blew up. And, um, uh, of course, all those people died and stuff. uh, Anyway, I heard it live on the radio, and uh, boy, that was exciting. No, it was terrible, but I just this is a memory. I just tell you this memory. I'm not making a big story out of this, and nothing funny happened. I didn't find any bodies or torsos in the trash or anything. But another thing about working at this uh apartment complex was uh, one day I, I was out there and I heard this this sound, and I was like, oh. I was like, "What is that sound?" And uh, they'd go away, and then I'd come back, same area, and they'd go, I was like, what is that? What is that sound? And then I realized there was a giant beehive in uh, one of these low-hanging trees. I mean, it was a real low tree. And uh, these, uh, these bees were everywhere. Bees. I had to call the bee people to come and do something about it. I think I called the uh, fire department. I don't remember. Or I probably told my manager, and she went and called the fire department. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but I found a giant beehive, and uh, it's one of those things I'll never forget, even though it's really not that important these days. I mean, I think about it, I'm like, yeah, big deal, big deal. You know, I told you I buy from Walmart, uh, online, walmart.com, and one of the one of the things they have in, at Walmart, you can look this up yourself, is emergency food. It's called emergency food. And I thought, you know, it would be great when the apocalypse happens if I have some emergency food, right? So I went in there to look, see what constituted as emergency food, because I had no idea what was going to be in there, and what they had is these great big uh giant buckets, like a gallon bucket of like dried onions and dried um celery and dried um uh, potatoes and <laughs> dried corn and stuff anyway i I bought some dried onions because I thought you know that dried onions I could use that in my cooking and boy can I and did I and have I it's delicious it's worked out well and I bought some also bought some uh, dried out um, bell peppers which I don't use that often but uh, I have some dried out bell peppers and I smell the bell peppers sometimes I also go in there and just smell them I open it up, smell in there Mmm, feels like bell peppers I'm going to take a drink of water if you don't mind, some water here I go that's me drinking water and burping afterwards Uh, this morning I got up early one of the first things I did was I listened to some old Shambles shows hey Shambles and I also listened to some old PQ River stuff and I got inspiration from that of course I listen to Frank Edward Knorr all the time and uh, I listened to you other guys Chad Bowers listen to him Enjoy his shows and uh meander listened to uh, his show the other day and uh listen to all you people I mean you know uh Carrie Michelle listened to her show and uh after I listen to her show I just wanna I just wanna smoke just want smoke some marijuana It's like hey, I'm gonna get me some marijuana and smoke it. That's what she seems to be talking about. Marijuana. Marijuana. Now, I guess it's legal up there where she's at. And I don't know her whole story, but it's all health related, right? So, you know, more power to her. Hope it helps with her health. Help with her health. I mean, if I had some uh, serious pains, I'd want some marijuana too, so. But if there you can get Marijuana it's not just smoke, you can get candy or whatever. I'm not sure if it's candy, but you can get concentrated bars or whatever. And that seemed like the way to go. I'd rather do that than smoke it. If I was going to consume it. But anyway. Uh, also, when I was looking at these old stuff, uh, I found like some old uh 10 minute pq river uh podcast that he used i mean mostly music and his friend fruitcake toothpaste is that is that how you say it doesn't sound right fruitcake toothpaste what kind of a name is that anyway uh i noticed a lot of music on there from fruitcake toothpaste and the conspiracy of the insignificant band and Uh, P.Q. River apparently knows all kinds of people. They're in truth or consequences, if that's a real name for a city, I don't know. Doesn't sound real. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I remember, I used to fly all the time because my dad worked for the airlines, and so we would get to fly, like, free. All we'd have to do is pay for the taxes or whatever. So my dad would surprise me all the time. We'd fly places. Hey, let's go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I've told that story where he got me up one morning and we went to Cleveland and then took a a um, car down to uh, the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And I met uh, Lou the Toe Groza and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was like a dream come true, basically. But we used to go to the airport all the time. I mean, and we go flying everywhere. I went. I've been everywhere, man. I've been every. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. If I don't know that song, but anyway, uh, I mean, I have been everywhere. And uh, I just remember when I was a kid, when I go to the airport, there'd always be these, Hare Krishnas out there in the airport, like uh, with the bald heads and their tambourines and. They scare the fool out of me, because I didn't know what was going on. I was like, what's going on with this Hare Krishna baloney? I didn't know, did not understand. I did not understand what was going on. My dad was like, just stay away from them. Don't let them hit you in the head with their, with their tambourine, their green tambourine. Dun, dun, dun. I always do that when I talk about tambourines. I always do the green tambourine song. You ever had your own business cards made up? One time I did. I had business cards and I felt like a big wig. Go hand them out to people. Hey, go to my studio and record in my studio. Here's my business card. I used to do that. Felt like a big wig. Felt felt empowered. Felt like a goober. A goober Jimbo. Are we gonna the Gooby Jimbo Studio? Yay. Uh, there's some perils to have in your own studio. I remember I bought a brand new Gibson guitar. It'd be the the guitar the studio for the guitar. I mean the guitar for the studio, you know. Belongs to the studio. Anybody could use it. And uh, I mean it set me back, you know nineteen hundred dollars or whatever and uh had a big amp in there and you know, I did not buy a drum set but I thought about buying a drum set. We had a we had a real studio. I mean it was I spend the bucks to do it and you know. A much better musician than I was, but he wasn't uh, a great songwriter and uh so we kinda worked together, you know. And uh so, anyway, this guitar, I mean, it was a brand-new guitar, brand-new. And some idiot, like, the first day it was in there, picked it up and dropped it on the floor and broke a big old chunk out of the top of it. And, boy, just, you know, I was like, why does, this stuff, why does this stuff happen to me? Why does it happen to me? Why me? Why? Why? You know, I I listen to all these uh Frank Nora, Nora Frank Nora shows from way back. He already shows, and he talks about, and he has evidence of uh, having a tape recorder when he was a little little child, and recording himself. And I did the very same thing. I had a little tape recorder, reel to reel, a little small reel-to-reel, and then, of course, I had a cassette player after that, but I remember having this little reel-to-reel, and uh, I would, like, make up my own shows and stuff. I'd almost forgotten about it, but I did, and, of course, I laid a bed at night, influenced by old radio and uh, by, uh, you know, people like Larry King and... Jim Bohannon and Sally Jesse Raphael and I think Geraldo Rivera I think and I would you know lay in bed and uh, have my recorder and I'd make up my own shows and just lay in there like an idiot and go to sleep and ah, wake up the next morning and listen to my stupid show it'd be stupid but I did it I did it You know, uh, P.Q. River, he lives out there in the land of what I would call Indian art. And uh, when I was a kid, man, we used to go to the Four Corners area lots of times for vacations. I bet I've been out there five or six times and remember Indian Indian art, and I really appreciate Indian art. And uh, P.Q. knows some people that do that kind of thing, and it's just mind-blowing how talented some of these people are i wish i could do that i wish i could wish i was artistic in some way but uh i can't draw and i can't you know pq river he can draw and he draws cartoons and he he does this and and frank had his own comic book for a while and did drew cartoons i can't draw nothing i can't draw nothing I can't draw anything. It's really uh, disappointing that I am so untalented. Just, (laughs) I don't, I I feel bad. I feel stupid, really. I mean, some of these people, some of you people out there can draw so easily. And just, it's a shame. And I can't, I can't draw nothing. I can't draw anything. I mean, it's terrible. And you people do your little show art and stuff. I mean, you see my show art, looks stupid. looks dumb. It yeah, dumb. When we used to go to the Four Corners area, was, you know, there's a lot of mountains and stuff up there, and my mother was real nervous about <laughs> everything, really. Uh, she actually had a nervous breakdown, but when I was a kid, that meant nothing to me. All it meant to me to me was let's go fool mom that we're gonna go like we're gonna uh fall over the mountain, slide down the mountain, she's gonna go crazy and it'll be fun to watch and so me and my cousin do that and she beat the tar out of us. Beat the tar out of us with a belt. boom 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 I'm gonna stop you from fake. Falling, I'm gonna beat the crap out of you. And that was cool, you know, it was no problem because I deserved it. I deserved it. I did. You know, when you fool mom like that, you pretend like you're falling down a mountain. That's not fun. That's not, that's not a cool thing to do. And I realized that after about 13 or 14 times of doing it and getting beat, I was like, I better not do this anymore. Because uh I shouldn't you know when I was uh, when I was doing that, I noticed that the next uh, central um, subject is about collecting and collections or whatnot. One of my collections was I collected rocks, and I don't want to give away too much because I'm going to talk about my collections in the next overnight overnightscape Central. Or, did I say that right? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know the names of these shows. I'm just an idiot. So, uh, we collected rocks, and I remember uh, seeing gold for the first time. Not that I found any gold. I remember going panning for gold, but I didn't know what I was doing. And my dad certainly didn't know what he was doing, and so we panned for gold and didn't find any gold, but would go to the, like, it'd be like a store or something in that area. Maybe a, a supply place where you could buy gold-digging uh, gold, gold digging supplies or whatever. I don't know. We were right in the, I mean, right in gold country, you know what I'm saying? It was, you know, like, people we used to dig for gold there all the time or paying for gold, and it was that area. And I remember going in there and seeing gold for the first time and knowing what it was, and and the guy showed me in the rock, and I was like, this is gold? I don't care anything about this. I don't want to do gold anymore. I want to get something else. I don't like gold. You know, even pyrite, like fool's gold. That was like, to me, it was like 20 times better than any kind of gold I could find. It was so cool. I'd find pyrite that was... Like a gigantic piece of pyrite, it'd fit in my hand. It'd be all sparkly, and I'd look at it and I'd be, "Ah, like, oh, look at this!" And my dad would say, "It's just fool's gold." I didn't care. I didn't care if it was fool's gold. To me, it was all sparkly, and I liked it. And I wished I had more, and I want more and more, more, more and more and more. Much more than I wanted any piece of gold. Gold smud. Gold was ugly. I wanted some fool's gold. It's awesome looking. Or I'd get a geode and knock it in half. And I'd be, oh, look inside the geode. There's all kinds of pretty pretty stuff in the geode. Oh, oh look at it. And it was way prettier than silver and gold to me. It was like awesome, awesome, awesome. And uh, my parents were like, yeah, big deal. Big deal. And I remember this street in Colorado. I'm not kidding you. I do not remember the name of it, but we could look it up because I know that Lowell Thomas, the newscaster, was born in this town. And uh, anyway, there was a street, and they said on the street you could find uh, amethysts, or our turquoise. I really don't remember now which one it was. Turquoise, I believe. You could find turquoise on the street, and so... Here I was looking on the street, trying to find turquoise, and you know what I found instead of I mean I found some turquoise, and that was sort of exciting, but I found arrowheads, arrowheads, and petrified wood, and I was like, now this is this is an anomaly Here I am looking for turquoise, and I found arrowheads and petrified wood. I mean, I found a great big old petrified wood log It was enormous." And it had to be worth something. It was awesome. It had a little piece of crystal in the middle of it. I'm not kidding you. And I, I was so excited. I was showing my parents, and they were like, "Yeah, way to go, Jim." And then I found out later they, that they put it there and made me find it, and then I felt so ripped off, ripped off, and felt bad. And what are you doing, mom and dad? Are you are you trying to hurt my feelings? They're trying to hurt my feelings. They hurt my feelings, is what they did. Mm. You know, uh, Frank's always talking about the malls he used to live in, or used to go to. (laughs) Not live in. I I live in a mall. Uh, I have to to tell you about the time. I used to live in a movie theater, but that's for another time. I'll tell you that one another time also lived in a closet but uh we'll get to that i promise you not today but we'll get to that maybe next time uh, but uh anyway uh the mall it was a mall where i lived it was called the irving mall and it was brand new i remember going in into it when it was new and and there really wasn't anything like the mall You would go in the mall and it'd be all gigantic and have these uh escalators and all these people but the the best part was you know frank always talks about the food court there was this pizza place and it was not in the food court it was it was just a pizza place that was there and i have never found any pizza like this uh since then. it tasted like garlic and it was delicious it was oh so good And uh, I do not remember the name of that place, but they had, uh, every time I went to the mall, every time I'd get a piece of that pizza, it cost about 50 cents or a dollar, I don't know, but uh, man, it was so good, and nothing, no, no meat on it or anything, just that garlic and cheese, and oh man, it was delicious. And my dad used to buy me a piece every single time. And uh, also, there was an orange Julius there, and we get an orange Julius, and of course that was the only place you get it. And it kind of tasted weird, but it was still good, and it's still one of those flavors that you, that I think of anyway that I have in my brain that just won't come out. Mm. It's just stuck in there, mm, orange Julius. So I reckon my time is up. At least I'm gonna try to keep this about forty minutes. So. I'll talk to you more at another time. I'll tell you some good stories. So I'll see you later. Later, later, later. I'll see you later. Bye.
0: And uh, yeah, you like the air conditioner. I, I like the air conditioner. It, it, it saves lives out here in the desert. And it is truth or consequences, New Mexico. But turn it off. Um, yeah, uh, it's just so good hearing Jimbo talking about watermelon and, and, and just, he's, he had such a flow. There are a few people, I envy people who just like have this flow and they're going and they're talking what we call rambling, just rolling along with that night radio, fascinating storytelling and commentary. And uh, the music underneath here is is a Jimbo thing. And if you can figure out the lyric, um, that please tell me what it is. Abrupt end, well, that, that, oh boy, that, that I am not going to say the obvious ironic thing, but the, a taste of Jimbo's music. Uh, usually it was a little more upbeat and whimsical, and the, I will find some better stuff. That was kind of found pretty fast and on the fly. And like I said, the big appreciation is on the way, and that's just going to be a showcase for a lot of bigger format stuff and bringing back the feel of night radio is what I would like to aim at uh, as I continue to do internet broadcasting because that's really important. And I was going to talk about Nick Cage films, and I took a look here at Nick Cage's filmography. And I mean, I am not, he's made so many movies, and I don't think I've seen very many of them at all. I thought. I had seen him in more and maybe I'm like getting titles forgotten, but really uh, the best one that I can recommend, and I will give you this if you haven't seen it, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is a kind of, if you saw... Being John Malkovich, he it's a playing oneself and uh, a, almost a parody of his career and his outlook. And he's just such a character in real life from everything I've heard. So uh, that will be my Nick Cage. I thought I was just going to drivel for a whole show about Nick Cage. And well, that's not going to happen because I would just be... Riffing, and we don't need to riff when we have all of this other stuff. Um, another failed project. Well, at least temporarily on hold for a while earlier this year. I was determined because I had sort of gotten into old time baseball and the aforementioned uh, sim league that I'm still a part of. But that seems to have. I don't know. It. The draft that they did for it was a lot of fun, but the actual playing out of the season seems to have lost some sort of momentum. I mean, I go in there, and uh, again, I mention Beatles Eternally is the name of his channel. Uh, And he doesn't do stuff about the Beatles, oddly enough. He does old time baseball on that channel and replays and plays of various baseball sim games. And the fun there is in the chat. Uh, Chat rooms have really, for me and for a lot of people, I suppose, been replaced by these live feeds on YouTube and a community of people that. Type back and forth to one another in the chat and hey, check out Beatles Eternally and that. But while I was doing that, I decided that I was going to pick a major league baseball season, go back to the amazing availability of old newspapers and do a day by day look at a Major League Baseball season from way back in the day and wound up choosing 1911. And the series is on the Onsug at onsug.com. It is me going over basically the preseason of 1911. Uh, I just had gotten to the opening day and the whole thing seems to have lost momentum, and I started this, and I'm doing the Overnight Scape Underground. And I gotta be honest, I really don't see when I'm going to get back to Baseball 1911. Uh, it's a thought, it's something I really should do at some time, but it was basically a lot of reading. And these newspapers, I mean, if it piques your interest, you can go and find the day-by-day newspapers. I even tell you what newspapers I was looking in. So, I mean, it's not as nice as a guy reading it to you and making some uh, comments and commentary. But I I really want to focus on this, the big appreciation, and keeping the overnight scape central going. Uh, That's more than enough so uh, keep an ear open for that i do have another little bit of marcus aurelius uh, the philosopher and former emperor of rome to read you and uh, yeah let's read that selection now while i'm thinking of it this is uh, from meditations chapter 2 uh, section 16 the soul of a man harms itself, first and foremost, when it becomes, as far as it can, a separate growth, a sort of tumor on the universe, because to resent anything that happens is to separate oneself in revolt from nature, which holds in collective embrace the particular natures of all other things. Secondly, when it turns away from another human being or is even carried as far in opposition as to intend him harm, such is the case in the souls of those gripped by anger. A soul harms itself, thirdly, when it gives in to pleasure or pain. Fourthly, whenever it dissimulates, doing or saying anything feigned or false. Fifthly, whenever it fails to direct any of its own actions or impulses to a goal but acts at random, without conscious attention, whereas even the most trivial action should be undertaken in reference to the end. And the end, for rational creatures, is to follow the reason and rule of the most venerable archetype of a governing state, the universe. And in those days, I think the universe was the world that you see and experience, although they were kind of cosmic in their own way. So maybe he is referring to the whole thing. But again, he is really looking at what I'm looking at. Really trying to understand things instead of reacting negatively to them or giving them any more energy than they need to have. And uh, it's, that's why he calls them meditations. And any thoughts uh, you might have on the meaning of this i'll be more than happy to discuss or uh mention uh just in general uh my time management is changing so much uh over the last few months and it will continue to change because i'm working on all kinds of things both uh, on sug as i mentioned and real outside non on SUG non public creation projects i i really now that i have made all these changes in my life want to do some more out of the box experiences maybe even eventually uh getting enough escape velocity to leave truth or consequences and do other things in other places and i intend on taking you guys along if you're with me for the ride so uh, my time management is getting really weird i'm sleeping a lot less now that i uh have changed my lifestyle i was sleeping way too much Uh, no human being needs to sleep nine ten hours a night unless you're bored i mean during covid there was almost an excuse but even then even though i was doing it i can't make or construct a particularly good excuse for that and uh, I, i mean i would just have these incredible and strange dreams that All I remember are little bits of anyways. I mean, I know I enjoyed them. And at the end of it, I'm really dubious whether dreams mean anything. It's just kind of a backwash that the brain kicks out. And I suppose it's uh, some sort of therapeutic thing because we do it. And people I've read who are deprived of dreams don't do so good. So there's that. Uh, again, time is being remanaged, um, and, and if I had to, all the time in the world, I would be doing a lot more stuff. Um, let's see. Oh, I, and uh, speaking of old time radio, I was considering. I mean, we are going to have a lot of Vic and Seid here. I've made the decision myself because we need this. The world needs. Vic and Sade, but uh, there were other things on the radio, and soap operas ran at about the same time as Vic and Sade, and I figured I uh, would find an example of one of these programs and share it with you here on the show.
3: Kroger presents Mary Foster, the editor's daughter, transcribed. I'm not a magician by any manner of means. Can't pull rabbits out of a tall silk hat. But I can let you in on one mighty good trick. How to save money on one of our most important foods and still enjoy a plus when it comes to quality and value. Of course, I'm talking about Kroger's Clock Bread. Quality, freshness, flavor, and wholesomeness are guaranteed, and you can still make big savings. Two, three, and four cents a loaf. That's the kind of money you can save on Kroger's Clock Bread. And if you'll serve this miracle value regularly, you'll find you can be anywhere from 75 cents to a dollar a head at the end of only one month. If you use more than the average amount of bread, you can save more. You can be not only money ahead on clock bread, but ahead on quality and freshness, too. Clock bread, you know, is the famous time-controlled loaf. The loaf that is actually clocked from oven to truck to store for hours of greater freshness. It's better tasting, purer and safer too, because every ingredient is laboratory tested by food experts to make sure of top quality and wholesomeness. And listen, ladies, you can try a loaf of this sensational bread without risking a penny. The clock bread guarantee says you must like it as well as or better than other bread, or you may return the unused portion in its original wrapper and get your money back. Next time, buy clock bread, spelled C-L-O-C-K. Now for our story. In the previous episode, we learned that Mary Foster went to see John Dennison and was told by Judith Bond, John's nurse during his recent illness, that she and John were to be married. Naturally, this was quite a shock to Mary, who was still in love with John, despite the fact that she broke her engagement to him over a difference of opinion a short while ago. The time, as today's episode opens, is just after Judith's announcement. Let's listen.
4: Well, I... I congratulate you both.
5: That's very sweet of you, Miss Foster. Knowing how close you and John used to be, I wanted you to be the first person to know of our plans. You're you're very considerate.
3: It seems to me that it was unnecessary to be quite so abrupt with the announcement, Judith.
5: Abrupt? Oh, my dear, I didn't intend to be abrupt. Was I, Miss Foster?
4: Not at all. After all, there's no point in being subtle about such a
5: thing. Indeed, no. I was certain you'd want to get the news directly, dear.
4: Well, I appreciate your thoughtfulness, Miss Bond. I appreciate it very much. Well, good luck,
3: John. Oh, you're not leaving yet, are you? Yes,
4: I really must be getting back to the office. Dad's a bit rushed today.
3: But uh, won't I see you again before we go to Fitzmaurice? Oh,
4: that depends upon when you're going Just as soon as John
5: is able to travel. Dr. Dunbar seems to think that'll be very shortly. Several more days.
3: At any rate, Mary, I'll call around to say goodbye to your mother and father. I, I wouldn't think of leaving without seeing them. And I'll probably get a chance to talk to you then.
4: All right, John. It was nice seeing you again,
5: anyway.
3: It was very nice seeing you, Mary.
5: Uh, one thing more, Miss Foster, hmm? I really wish that John and I could invite you to come to our wedding. But you see, we're not going to be married until we reach Fitzmaurice. We thought it would be appropriate to be married in the university chapel.
4: I'm sure it will. Goodbye, John.
3: Goodbye, Mary.
5: Will?
4: Mary. What? Oh, well, it's you, Helena? I'm sorry, I didn't notice you sitting there. That's all right, honey. I came over here thinking you might, might want me to walk home with you. I know, darling. You thought I'd be miserable after talking to John. Well, I didn't think it was going to be any fun for you. Oh, you're quite right. It wasn't. Oh, that fresh air seems so good after I've been around her. Yeah, I'll bet. I'm not miserable, Helen. I'm mad. I'm so darn mad, I'm seeing red. Good. That's all right. Stay that way for a while. You mad at her? No, at myself. Huh? Of all the silly, empty-headed idiots in this world, I am the prize. Yes, I am. You were perfectly right, Helen. Dad was right. I've been stubborn and unreasonable about the whole thing. Oh, I'd like to fire something. Go ahead, pick up a rock and heave it. Heave it through a window, if that'll help you any. A thing like that's good for the soul every now and then. The idea of my sitting smugly back, breaking my engagement to John, just because he insisted on retaining her as his nurse, uh, well, I must have been crazy. Yeah, that's right. I'm with you on that one. I played right into her hands. Sure you did. However, you can get John back again. I know you can. I'm afraid not this time, Helen. Why can't you? He's still in love with you, isn't he? Evidently not. He's going to marry her very shortly. What? That's right. Mary, what are you talking about? She told me herself just before I left. Hmm? She said they were to be married as soon as they reached Fitzmaurice. But, well... What did John have to say to that? He didn't deny it. Oh, for Pete's sake. So, it all comes down to this. I've made a beautiful botch of everything. If she thinks I'm going to sit idly by and allow John to marry her, she's crazy. That's more like it. If you love a man, he's certainly worth fighting for. You do love John, don't you? I love him more than anything else in the world. Okay, then. Get busy. Let's see, they're they're planning to leave for Fitzmaurice within a few days, just as soon as Dr. Bunlar... Dunbar says it's all right to travel. Uh Uh-huh. they mustn't leave. At least John mustn't. I've got to find some way to keep him right here in Valley Springs. Well, is that going to do any good, to keep him here? If he stays, she's still too. I know, but I certainly can't do any good if I'm here and he's in Wisconsin. She can marry him here just as well as she can there. I'm not trying to borrow trouble for you, honey, by saying that. I'm just trying to foresee obstacles. I know, I know. Listen... A moment ago, you said you didn't think John was still in love with you. How do you know he isn't? Well, he can't be if he's going to marry her. Oh, yes, he can, too. He can still be very much in love with you. He's just a victim of circumstances, I'd say. Well, in what way? In two ways. First, because, as you say, you were unreasonable about his firing Judith Bond. And second, because a man convalescing from an illness is very easy prey for a good-looking, smart nurse. The grateful patient idea, you know. And John was double easy for her because she knew him so well, having been engaged to him once before. So you see, Mary, he could still very easily be in love with you and yet have committed himself to marry her. Mm, I wish I knew more about her. You must admit, Helen, that we hardly know anything about her. Right, except that she's smart. If I did know something of her background, it might help a lot. Well, let's find out. How? I don't know at the moment, but we're both reporters, Mary. We certainly should be able to find out something. We will, darling, we will. Say, whose car is that in front of the office? Unless my eyes are wrong, there are two cars there. Oh, well, one of them's Doc Dunbar's, the other one, I mean. I don't know. Not a bad bust, though, is it? I wouldn't mind owning one like that myself. Probably belongs to someone who's calling in to see Dad on business. Mm. Oh, there's Doc. Wait a minute, Helen. I want to talk to him. Doc!
2: Doc? Oh, hey, hi Mary? Hello there How's the world using these days? <laughs> Reasonably well, and you? Oh, can't kick, I guess Sleep well, that is, when I get a chance to sleep <laughs> My digestion's in fine working order And I can still laugh at things pretty often Man can't ask more than that now, can he?
4: Well, I guess you're right, Doc But um, here's what I wanted to find out from you How soon do you think John will be able to travel? John Denison? Uh-huh
2: I don't know Guess he could make a short trip right now if it was necessary. Then he could go to Wisconsin in a few more days. I suppose so. Why? He ain't thinking of going, is he?
4: Certainly is.
2: Well, that's funny. He didn't say anything to me about it.
4: Doc, uh, well, you'll keep this confidential, won't you? What I'm about to say.
2: Oh, I won't tell more than 20, 30 people, Mary.
4: <laughs> Which, of course, will be keeping it a strict <laughs> secret. <laughs>
2: no, of course, I won't say anything to anybody. What is it you want to say?
4: I don't want John to go back to Fitzmaurice.
2: Any reason why I should?
4: Going back there to teach. And, incidentally, to marry Judith Bond.
2: What? To marry her? Yes. What, you mean he went and threw you over for that
4: one? Well, it was my fault, Doc, but there's no need of going into that now.
2: Well, by George, I ain't got as much respect for John as I had before. Why, 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 there ain't any comparison between you and that girl. You can't even be mentioned in the same breath. You're so far ahead of her. Uh, why, why, blast his hide, he... Well,
4: I wondered if there was any way you could keep him here in Valley Springs another week or so. Well,
2: now, I don't know, Mary. I can try, certainly. I suppose I really shouldn't ask you, but... Of course you should. I'll do all I can to help you out. I was just thinking, though, that I wish you'd mentioned it to me the other day. I've already told John that he could be discharged shortly now.
4: Oh, I see. That does make it difficult.
2: Of course, Miss Bond knows just as well as I do when he'll be able to travel. If I should go to him now and say... Look, John, I've changed my mind. You'd better stay right here in the hospital another week or so. Well, she'd think it was mighty funny. Mm. And besides that, John's got a mind of his own, you know. He's no fool either. But I'll do what I can, Mary.
4: I'd appreciate it, Doc.
2: Yeah, and you can count on me to do something. I'll think it over and see what I can hit on. Get in touch with me later, and we'll see what's what.
4: All right, Doc, and thanks. All set, Mary? Mm, I guess so. Doc's going to see what he can do about keeping John in Valley Springs a little while longer. Well, good luck to him. My golly, look at that automobile. Whoever owns that must have plenty of money. But oh, Pardon me for changing the subject. <laughs> That's all right. Why, it is quite a car, isn't it? And here, I believe, comes its owner. Well, he's not so bad either.
3: Oh, how do you do, girls? Uh, which one of you is Mary Foster? Uh, I'm she. Oh, sure, of course. I should have known it. You resemble your father. Oh, and my name is Drake, Ben Drake. And I can't say how happy I am to meet you.
4: Do you wish to see me?
3: I sure do, and I am seeing you. I've just been talking with your father, and there's a picture of you on his desk. Oh, but boy, that picture doesn't tell a half of it. Oh, lady, you're nice. Oh, and your friend's name is Miss Mr. Randall. Oh, charm, Miss Randall, delighted. <laughs> it's seldom that one runs across two such lovely girls.
4: Where'd you learn that line, in college?
3: <laughs> no, I was born with it, honey. I'm sorry, I have to go now, but I'll be back. Now that I've seen you two, I just can't be kept away. Well, toodaloo, pets, toodaloo.
4: Well, you do find them like that every now and then. <laughs> Hello, Mary. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Hello, Helen.
2: <laughs> Well, didn't I just see you two talking to young Drake? Yeah, I'm afraid you did, Daddy. <laughs> kind of a breezy cuss, ain't he?
4: I'd say he was more of a gale. Oh, what does he do?
2: Well, he was trying to sell me some paper. His father's in the print paper business over to Tilton. Pretty wealthy folks, I gather. Oh.
4: Well, that car cost plenty.
2: Oh, yes, I guess the boy don't have to worry much. It was pretty apparent he don't take the business very serious. <laughs> just does it, you know, because his father wants him to pretend to work anyway. Yeah, he's what you'd call a playboy. According to my way of thinking, well, you see, John, did you marry? Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw him. How is he?
4: Oh, all right.
2: Well, that's good. Well, I better be getting back to work again.
4: You know, Helen, hmm? I have an idea that young man will be useful. What do you mean? In connection with John and Judith? In connection with Judith. I don't know how just yet, but I think he'll be useful.
3: What has Mary in mind, and will she be successful in keeping John Dennison in Valley Springs? Listen to the next episode of Mary Foster, the Editor's Daughter. Today I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, but not without doing yourself one, too. What's more, your family will thank you if you take this tip. Just buy a loaf or two of Kroger's clock bread. Bring it home and pile it high on a plate at your very next meal. Just watch how your family really digs in once they experience the extra freshness in each and every slice. Clock bread is fresher, you know, because it's time controlled from oven to truck to store. It reaches your table at the peak of its fragrance and deliciousness. And you can feel safe and sure about serving it to children because every ingredient in clock bread must pass rigid scientific laboratory tests for wholesomeness and quality. The real point of my story is this, however. After you've seen what a luxury loaf clock bread is, take stock of the money you can save on it. True, it may be only two, three, or four cents a loaf. But think what those few pennies a day can mean when you serve clock bread regularly. Many women report they can save as much as a dollar a month just on clock bread, remember. Give this miracle value a chance to prove to you what a money saver it can be. Next time you need bread, switch over to the guaranteed loaf, the miracle value Kroger's Clock Bread. Here is your local announcer.
0: Oh, yeah, this episode is big. It's huge. It's massive. And uh, have you ever? uh, Maybe some of you have, but that's just... I I just wonder what happened next. And, of course, as much as I would like to know... uh, I have no idea what happens next, nor do I have any idea where I would even begin to look for the next episode. And have you tried that clock bread baked with a clock? I don't even understand the concept, but uh, they sure, I guess they weren't selling soap. It was a bread opera. And and, and God, she's going to win that guy back. You can guarantee that. Uh, she's not going to take any of that nurse's guff I don't believe oh what a wonderful episode and um we got lots more to come there's a lot of appreciation um tomorrow night I am performing one of my patented uh, audio poem collage thingies at the local truth or consequences art hop and that should be great fun I hope I amuse people or at least make them stop and think because this time instead of a gallery setting we're taking it back to the streets I am going to be set up in front of Ingo's art cafe and mocktail bar just playing audio collage with sound effects and more likely than not uh, we'll have a special episode or segment. I. Would like to, for the most part, stay at the half hour length, but I'm th- I, as I mentioned earlier, I think these things are going to kind of grow, and the uh, Super Appreciator, the Expanded Appreciator, the Appreciator Plus, whatever the uh, super large format that I'm kind of thinking of turns out to be, even that could happen, although I don't know. I it, I am always open for comment. Would you think that a four to seven hour long extravaganza of presentation with a little uh, night radio talk of me uh, commentating or whatever it is that you call what I do, that be interesting? Well, do you know where to leave comments. You can leave it wherever you heard this. Be it on the overnight scape underground post on Facebook, or on the Tube of You. Yeah, YouTube. And in the meantime, I will say that uh, you should always, when you leave here, set the controls for the heart of the fun.